getting nicer day by day, more pleasant, a good time to be outside, be a part of the world, join your fellow man and woman out in public. By the way, WBT, I think Bernie, I think we're having some fun with the music there, Chris. Um, WBT welcomes the Light the Nights Festival, where you can make merry memories, many merry memories. Try saying that really fast. You can make many merry memories at Truest Field now through January 6th. There's an ice skating rink, snow tubing hill. Plus, you can enjoy the light shows, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping, Santa, and more. Brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. So going out to Truist Field, have a good time. And uh, as we always do here, if you want to get on the conversation, 704-570-1110, 570-1110, News Talk 1110-993. Ron, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? I'm good, Chad. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I want to talk about uh, the extremes in our Congress, okay? Uh, just last week, they passed the... Uh, the continuation bill for the government to stay open, $1.7 trillion or whatever it was, and uh, 4,100 pages. Nobody knew what was in it. They all voted for it. And that's our representatives that we vote on and we send to Congress and, and wherever. Now, I understand that it was all political and it was done that way, but our representative had no say-so in it because they, it was done in one or two days. That's one extreme. The other extreme of what they don't do is I've never seen anybody that uh, is for the daylight savings time. But we've had it for <laughs> four years stuck down our throat, and they can't even pass that. So what in the between are those people doing? Well, uh, Will Rogers was fond of saying, you know, if uh, progress is moving forward, that isn't Congress moving backwards. Uh, with respect to the $1.7 trillion, it's a continuing resolution. Uh, it's being flown down, I think, for the president. I don't know if he signed it before he left, but I know they're, they're chartering a plane and flying, I think, four pieces of legislation. You would think they would use DocuSign at this point, but they're going to fly it all the way down to St. Croix to let the president sign it and waste. It's supposedly a climate change resolution, and they're going to use a jet to fly down there for him to sign. Oh, yeah, it seems yeah. incredibly wasteful. But you're right. Daylight savings time is your dogs and cats don't get it. When you change, exactly. your kids don't get it. And it's miserable when you go into the fall and you have to wake up an hour early for the dogs, cats, and, and kids. So, yeah. Why come my, my, my representative doesn't stand up and say, we hate this thing. Let's get rid of it. But he does. Well, I, I, I don't know what. I don't know which one is yours, but there are people like Dan Bishop and Rand Paul. Rand Paul publishes the wasteful spending report every year, and you're right. It's a 4,000-page bill. It's ludicrous. The Many Republicans were only given about 30 minutes, a couple of hours to even look through it before they were asked to vote on it. It's cooked in quiet. It's cooked in secret. Many Republicans not part of the process. And, and believe you me, one of the first things they've got to do if they want to stay in power, the Republicans are going to have to undo some of that. They control the purse strings, and when they seat the new Congress, if they can come up with a leader, they're going to have to unring that bell. Because you're right, that $1.7 trillion is, an, is, is just a waste. And it makes you wonder what the hell they're doing up there. Why do they? Why? My vote is just laughable. It is, and there there just aren't enough people that want to change the course. You're right. They ought to have a balanced budget amendment. It ought to be on the ballot for every American to force D.C. to have a balanced budget every year. Regardless of whether you're Democrat or Republican, it should be a balanced budget. Um, nobody's Great. doing that, and it's it's pathetic. And it's hurting all of us because they're just kicking the yep. can down the road. 
But, man, I appreciate the call. Appreciate you being a part of the show, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Okay. We appreciate that. Again, you want to get on the conversation? You certainly can. Uh, you know, as, as I look through my notes here, I just I love these folks. Love the show. Love the uh, people that are doing it. But anyway, so do be a part of things here at the stage. I want to get to the uh, something I said. It's 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110 here at News Talk 1110-993. Um, I, I thought he was going to get to the, the voting side of things because while Republicans might think that the post-2020 election integrity fight is over, it's not. It's not even close to do it. But that ballot harvesting side of things is, well, I'm not going to go through this, but the Federalist has an outstanding piece on voter harvesting that is worth looking at. It, it's it's a little bit complicated, but it is certainly worth looking at because voter harvesting is not gone away. It did not end in North Carolina and Elizabethtown a few election cycles ago that led to Dan Bishop being in Congress and and really was, was extremely destructive to Mark Harris uh, at the personal level, who would have probably won the campaign anyway, but for Dallas McRae's poking around and doing things. But it's a great piece. It's worth doing. Now, I do want to get to immigration and custom officials. This is a terrifying story over the Daily Caller by Jenny Tarr. She's an investigative reporter with that. It's at Real Clear Investigations is the link. They cover, they do a good job of pulling up these. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, admitted to Syracuse University's Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse. That's a mouthful, isn't it? So immigration has admitted to track, that's the short version of that, that it has no records, none, zero, nunca, of 377,980 illegal immigrants enrolled in its alternatives to detention program. In other words, these are folks who came across. It wasn't real clear what their status would be, so we didn't send them back. So we enrolled them in this program instead of deporting them or holding them, and we have no idea where they are. 377,980 folks that are enrolled. In, now, it's amazing now. Enrolled in a government program, and they have no idea where they are. Track, which is the university's uh, Syracuse University's Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse, they sent a Freedom of Information Act request, a FOIA request for data on the program, which used uh, to electronically, which is used to monitor illegal immigrants in the country. ICE's response that they could no longer find records on immigrants in alternatives to detention that they had previously released came as a shock particularly after they informed us recently that they had been misleading the public for months by releasing extremely inaccurate data. The agency really needs to come clean. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has no records of all of these folks. It has no records that they've been monitoring. They use they have electronic track illegal immigrants released into the country. They have not been able to do that. They can find no records on immigrants in that program that they had previously released. Came as a, It's just unbelievable. When, when you read this story, the agency had previously provided track with data on individuals enrolled in it, disclosing what technology was used, dates of entry into the program, amongst other key details. The truth is, they just lied. Kenny, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? And thank you for calling in. What's going on, Kenny? Uh, I'm doing good. I'll probably get run out of town, but I'm going to tell you how to solve the problem. Okay. Solutions. That'll get you run out of Solutions, town. Chapter January one. January to one. Make Donald Trump president of the United States. <laughs> Give him 10 days to appoint a Congress and just <laughs> get rid of everybody up there. Give him 10 days 
and then on the 1st of May, let's all declare National Fishing Day and go fishing because everything will be okay. <laughs> I love this. I love this uh, very clean version of the way to alter the entire nation and throw half of it into complete despair. But uh, Absolutely. But, but I mean, so hey, what's hey, the basis? What would be what's different the... than what we got now? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I say you could, you could appoint, I don't know, uh, Fluffy the dog, and probably have a similar. I'm, I'm not, I'm not disparaging Trump there. What I'm saying is, DC is so inexorably broken at this point that you have to wonder. It's an entire class of people that are dedicated to the proposition that they know what's best and they never get it right. And Donald Trump did represent the single greatest threat to that entire paradigm. Whether you love him or hate him, he did. He represented a threat to the establishment on both sides of the political aisle, and he did break a lot of the norms. But uh, there, there's no, there's no uh, constitutional avenue by which to do that. What you said, and it would, it would, it would scream dictator and uh, benevolent leader, though it would maybe be. It, which there's no constitution. But I like it. I think it's fun. It's a fun way to say things, and well, it, it illustrates the absurd. We just don't have time to fix it. So that would be a quick way to fix it, and I don't know any other way. You know, just run everybody in there out and appoint a crew, and, okay, let's give them six months. (laughs) Well, we'll 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 see. We'll do it again. One of the best things that I, I, I'm not going to extol the virtues of having Republicans run Congress, but I will say, you know, we're only a couple of days away from Nancy Pelosi being the ex Speaker of the House, no matter what. So there's That's a, a day little of bit. Celebration. There you go. A, a day of celebration. So that is taking place. We hope that they can just put the brakes on a lot of what's taking place up there. But Kenny, man, I appreciate the call. Gave everybody a good laugh. And uh, you know what? There's a lot of people that feel like you do, and I appreciate the call, okay? Happy New Year. Glad to have you with us as we round out the bottom of the third hour. What will be the final hour of the Pete Callender Show for 2022 as we look back and look forward. Uh, callers, always welcome. Love to have them. I'm your guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in for Pete Callender. Uh, I've known Pete for many years. We actually, I used to... I uh, did a lot of work with his former folks up at the WWNC of the mountains. Now, with us right now, though, Michael, you called in. I think Kenny set off a firestorm. Michael's calling in. What's up, Mike? Yeah, how you doing? Hey, I'm an ex-20 year every guy, and I traveled all around the world, and uh, I'm a Republican, and uh, I've never voted for a Democrat in my life. My dad has either. But the last guy that called, basically he's saying, purge him. And I'm agreement 5,000%. Basically, uh I don't watch too much TV, but I watch this one series called Designated Survivor. Yeah. That's basically what we have to do. Now, everybody may say, oh, man, this guy's extreme. No, these guys have so much blood in their hands. And Donald Trump is the best president we ever had besides Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. But if George Washington was here, George actually was the only president to bring federal troops in the second term. You know, and actually did firing squad. And that's what we need to do. But people don't want to, to think about that. But you have to, because unless we get back to paper ballots, all this stuff is just total chaos. And I just want to say I love enjoying your show, but I want to ask you one more thing sure. to follow up. 95%, I would say, of all media is corrupt. But I don't think that you meet that criteria. You're one of the honest ones. It just... It just drives people insane that they don't care because, it, I mean, this country is going to get a lot worse. And 
and I and I hate to see it for my kids. But uh, enjoy your show, and I uh, just want to hear your comments. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Michael. Uh, Michael, it said Michael, so I'll assume it's Michael, not Mike. But uh, I appreciate the phone call, and I think you know there is a lot of corruption in media. I tend to agree with that. I think that a lot of ignorance in media, too. A lot of these uh, young reporters and stuff, they just don't have a basis in the Constitution. They don't know the founding of the country. They don't know the role of government. And they they bought into this that government is there to fix everything. And it's it's really not. And with respect to the D.C. establishment, there comes a point. It's it's very Roman Roman era-esque, you know, the fall of the Republic. When the Republic in, in lar- large measure, the Roman Empire became so large, it kind of collapsed under its own weight, supporting Rome and the way we're supporting D.C. When you drive into Z- D.C., what is remarkable is it's a testament to the power of lobbying. You see all these giant defense contractors. You see, you know, K Street lobbyists. There's so much money to be made in the power and in, in influence and the lifestyle in this 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 very disconnected world from the reality that is America. You know, you almost wish you could make the capital, just move it to a different location entirely. And and I do wish. There was a movement in the early 90s. It was around the Ross Perot time. It may have been earlier, maybe in the 80s or 90s. But I remember it was T-H-R-O. It meant throw the hypocritical rascals out. And I don't think, you know, Congress has never been held in the highest regard, but it certainly is probably at its lowest point. I don't think the American public believes in Congress. I don't think they believe in the ability for it to function. I don't think they believe that it has America's best interest at heart. I think that it is very much a gilded age for the political types. And I include many members of both parties in that. They're, they're more interested in hyperbole, groupthink, groupspeak. I think they're very interested in, in convenient jargon and trying to get people hyped up about issues. I don't think... They have the grandest of plans to just devolve power from D.C. Would it be neat if the the thrust of people in D.C. right now was to figure out ways to get power out of Washington, D.C., to go back and say, okay, we want Washington, D.C. to take care of the national defense, something that we should be, instead of worried about virtue signaling about gender and gender identities in the military, but actually the military's design is to kill people and break things. It's what it does. It's what it's designed to do. It's what it should be doing. And that sounds terrible. It's it, the, the, the U.S. military was not meant to be the Red Cross. It's just not. It's meant there to destroy our enemies and make it so they never want to screw with us under any circumstances, ever, ever, ever. That's what they should be the best at and can be and are in many instances. But wouldn't it be neat if there was the mentality that we just threw them all out? I like. I mean, I agree. I, I can empathize with Kenny and Michael on that. I do wish that there was a move that, you know what, we're going to start over. None of you that are currently there can go back there. But here's the other problem. You have to get rid of the institutionalized bureaucracy that come with them because a lot of times when you have a new legislator, a new Congress, new senator, they go up there, they're surrounded by staffers who have been there 8, 9, 10, 20 years or have no experience at all. And so the people that are playing the game, the whole house of cards mentality is still in place. And there's a lot more buffoonery up there than there is the actual you know, house of cards, the, the show by the same name. It's a lot more buffoonery, a lot more amateur hour stuff. With a lot, of, it is like I remember. It's like it's like a fraternity with no supervision and other people's money, and it is it is unfortunate. I mean, I've spent enough time in D.C. that I I I always like leaving. There are two cities I like kind of going to and enjoy leaving. That's Vegas and D.C. And they have a lot more in common than not. The difference is when you go to Vegas, you tend to gamble with your money. When you're in D.C., they're gambling with everyone else's money. 
glad to have you with us. It's about a thousand foot ship called the Zim Canada leaving the Cape Fear River. I know many of you won't care, but it is loaded. 480 plus containers, a monster ship leaving the Cape Fear River now outside my studio. Now, glad to have you with us. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Give us a call, 704-570-1110, 570-1110-WBT, News Talk 1110-99.3. And I'll tell you what, we had a couple folks set it off uh, earlier as we were going through this, you know. And, and I think the sentiment that they are sharing is 100%, I think, where the majority of Americans are. I think there's many Democrats that don't like what's happening in D.C., I think they feel powerless to change it. And I want to add to this. If you're thinking about the, the – it sounds – there's some good people that are up there. Unfortunately, there aren't many. And, and, and the issue is if you look at the world of politics right now, how many of you would be willing to put your name on that ballot? It, that, it, it's one thing to talk about how terrible it is, but then you think about – and this is going to sound very judgmental. I don't mean it to be, but it's going to sound that way. Think about the quality of people that you end up with because a lot of good people won't run. That's the sad reality. There's, there, there are a lot of great people in this society that are problem solvers, that are innovators, that really do want to cut slash burn to the ground the current system. The IRS system is horrific. It is a human tragedy is societal, societally damaging. It is cumbersome. It, is, it, it doesn't accomplish what it should. Almost every, I mean, I, I can remember, it wasn't Hayek, Milton Friedman, who said famously, and I'm going to paraphrase, give me any three letters in the alphabet and I can give you a government agency that is in need of being done away with or at least severely curtailed. Either cut it, it could be cut out entirely. And that is so true. And, and we keep sending the same people to repeat the same mistakes over and over. And then at a certain point, when you get to be there 20 and 30 years, you realize you're not really there to change the system. You're there because it's a way of life for you. You have to wonder why someone like Pelosi is there. It's the power, baby. It's You get treated. It's the modern monarchy. American politics and American political intrigue are the modern incarnations of monarchies. They are dynastic almost. You look at the folks that are in there, I mean, Pelosi being there, if you add Schumer and Pelosi and Biden together, you almost get to the, if you add their ages together, you're at the founding of this country. From the age standpoint, just add the 70s and 80s together and you're back 270 some odd years. Anyway, Ed, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi. Um, Hi. We're never going to have a perfect Congress. And from my experience, there's only been one president besides Reagan, but actually better in some respects, and able to work with uh, what we have now, and that is Donald Trump. And he successfully had peace going on in the world, which Joe Biden destroyed the first day he was in office. And... Uh, even if you, I don't care if you don't like Trump, I like Trump personally. He's a businessman. He's not a politician. And he points things out that the people are doing that aren't helping the citizens. He's a citizen of the United States of America. He's not a politician. We've got to get him back in office, and there's one thing holding us up, and that's voting integrity. Look at Arizona 
Have you followed up what's been going on there? What they found? Yeah, I was following the Carrie Lake case and looking at it. It ended up getting thrown out, but there's still a lot of questions about the ballot sizing and the rejection level by the machines. And there are, uh, look, I I think many Americans share your, your exact viewpoint. Uh, about they do have questions and I you know and yet Democrats push against voter ID which is a level of integrity they they called any changes in Georgia and these are racist allegations that the Democrats make you know that they're saying that one race is incapable of getting an ID it's it's unbelievable the media doesn't call them out on that but they're trying to assert that one race is physically I don't know whatever that the left believes that there's one race that's incapable it's not Asian it's not Hispanic but it's it's a, it, it, one race and I, I do think people have concerns about the integrity of the elections. Well, they just do. Joe, uh, Donald Trump, when when he uh, when he's been uh, having rallies, there's tens of thousands of people that show up. So he's got uh, the he following is, of the average American, and he's helped. Well, he has all the, the benefit. Americans, it didn't matter what color, what religion, to improve. And Putin had respect for him. And so did China. Well, the, the irony and, is that he was accused of being a warmonger, and you're right. Four years of sustained peace. Uh, well, four years they accused him of, of it, everything it, that they were. Yeah, he was not. A oh, war I know. I, you're right. the The Afghanistan withdrawal was a disaster. The aggression by North Korea's return. The Iranians are acting like bad uh, global players. You look at the situation with Russia and and some of the other people they're working with. The Europeans are less responsible now than they were. At least Donald Trump called them to account on their NATO funding, and which they were horribly reticent to even pay. Uh, yeah, even the way we dealt with the uh, oil supplies, uh, we were a producer. We were a net e- exporter of fuel and now we're an importer once again we're not begging for you know we didn't beg for venezuela and saudi arabia to help us which the biden administration has done you're, you're right in the many respects thing, from a policy the other thing that, um, i'm sorry the Go other ahead, thing Ed. that's going on is they're trying to t- change our culture and our beliefs i worked for two foreign countries one was germany and one was canada and both of them had the utmost respect for our country because our American culture was the most productive and most creative in the world. And this current administration is destroying everything. So I don't want to see that happen. I love the world. I love my country. I love all the people of my country. I don't necessarily all love all the things they do because we have things called well, moral standards and all that kind of thing in laws, which we're not enforcing. So, and there's people that want someone that's going to make us strong again. So we need well, him. Ed, I appreciate that. Your sentiments, you are speaking for many folks who agree with you out there. And uh, the media and the way it treated that individual and his family, the way they treated Trump and his family was horrific. Uh, no, I cannot imagine any family or individual that I've ever met that could have withstood that kind of barrage. Uh, some of it, the disdain was brought upon himself. It's his actions. And I think many people separate his policies from the things he said, but the people who hate him can't. They can't tease those two apart. But Ed, I appreciate the call and, and well said. I appreciate you being a part of things, okay? If you'd like to make a call.
Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> no, I don't want to make a call, nor do I want to hear that recording. So we appreciate folks giving us a call. Again, you want to join the conversation. It's 57, I'm sorry, 5701110. You know your area code, 704, but 5701110 to be a part of the conversation. We welcome all viewpoints, uh, generally speaking, on this show, unless they're absolutely moonback crazy, but there's very few of those that call in. And uh, it happens every now and then. It, it happens. Now, on that point, if you're looking at your kids and you're thinking, who are the future leaders of this country? What do they feel about this country? This is by Nathan Harden over at Rooklear Education. A new survey suggests that younger parents don't share the same values or priorities for civic education as their older ones. According to the survey conducted by Real Clear Opinion Research and funded by Jack Miller Center, nine out of 10 Americans agree that teaching children about founding principles is very important. But seven out of 10 don't think schools are doing a good job of it. Still, there was some partisan differences. Democrats demonstrated more confidence in the public school system to deliver what kids need to know about America's founding, while Republicans don't. Republicans were also more likely to say that they believe schools are promoting biased political agenda and that their children were not free to express their ideas at school. Now, the interesting thing about that difference, you'd say, well, Republicans don't trust it. Democrats do. If you believe that once, if ever there was an affirmation of ideological preference from schools, it's that Democrats believe, hey, the kids are getting what they need because they're giving them what they believe they need. Many Republicans see the schools and they're not getting Pledge of Allegiance and things like this. They're not getting that because it's teaching one ideology over another. Welcome back. Some sad news to share. And that is that Pele, the Brazilian soccer legend, widely hailed as Oreia de Futebol, the king of his sport, the only man to win the World Cup three times, died today. He was 82, died in Brazil. So for a lot of folks that played when they were young in this country, you know, they were kind of inspired by that guy. Yeah, fascinating soccer legend. He could do some amazing things. Uh, and I always enjoyed watching him play. Pretty amazing guy. Now, just pass that to you. So he's dead at 82. Two stories, and, and I... I I, I want to dovetail a lot of what, what was shared earlier by two callers who took the time to call. Taking the time to call into a radio show takes a lot. It's, it, there's a lot of people that feel that way that won't be, they, oh, I want to say, or they disagree, or they don't call in. Those that do, agree or not, we, we host are thankful for those calls. It means that you're listening and you care enough to be a part of the conversation. So those, those folks, there are many that feel that there is a such a high degree of disconnect from the American public and our way of life that we do need a full-on replacement of Congress and the in the Senate, and I, I don't know, I don't know that the American public. There's too much money, and it's it's so funny. In survey after survey, I've, I've been in this since the late '80s, and everyone, I mean, Congress has about 18 percent approval rating, some some r ridiculous number like that. But they tend to like their congressman or woman. They tend to like them. They just don't like anyone else's. So when they talk about getting rid of they're like, well, I'd like to get rid of everybody else. I like mine. It's kind of like when you do surveys about mass transit. Whenever you do ma surveys of mass transit on little shiny trains, and Charlotte's got shiny little trains that don't move nearly as many people as roads do and cost a lot more money, uh, they, people like them in surveys because they think if they have more of these shiny little commuter trains, uh, light rail, that it will get other people off the road so that they can zip around in their car. In other words, they don't want to use it. They want other people to use it. And it's the same thing with Congress. They, want, they don't want to get rid of their person. They want to get rid of everybody else's person. So it's a, it's a very good analogy to how we end up with light rail, which doesn't work, and we end up with Congress that works about as well as light rail. 
So the, I don't know what the fix is. We have we have when they call it a swamp, it absolutely is. Having spent enough time up there, uh, they are very comfortable. It's a great lifestyle for those folks. They make six figure plus. They get to pontificate on everything. They have a staff that works for them full time, and they have a lot of free time on their hands. And, and they love the attention they give. I mean, when you're in elected office, having been elected office for a while, you know, all of a sudden people open doors for you. All of a sudden people want to be around you more than they did before, and they're not your friends. That's the one thing that there's one of two things that will take place when you're elected office. You will let it go to your head, or you will be reminded constantly that that's not who they think you are is not who you are. I see this in Raleigh all the time. There's some good folks serving in Raleigh, but there's some others, and some of them are in leadership roles up there that are are people you would not want going out with a member of your family. You wouldn't want them to be in your family. There are people that are that lack any kind of moral character whatsoever, that are that are completely ethically compromised. Think about this. It wasn't that long ago that the Republican rules chair, David Lewis of Arnett County, is now a felon. And there's still a movement to try to get him back in Raleigh. I mean, he wrote a check to the NCGOP LLC that was a check to himself and, and acted like he was donating money to the party, this kind of stuff. And, and, and people knew he was morally compromised for years prior to this. And there's multiple stories. but And those around him knew. And so this is the way it is in, in Raleigh. It's the way it is in D.C. These people are, are, many of them, unfortunately, are some of the most unethical people you could be around. I'm not just talking about chasing skirts. I'm talking about true corruption, where there is a financial benefit. There is some kind of way that benefits them. Not always financial, but in many other ways. And it is unfortunate that they don't have the wherewithal to gut the system that is in place that isn't serving us well. I mean, our, our entitlement programs are broken. Our defense, uh, the recruiting is terrible in our military. The morale of people in the country with respect to what's going on in D.C. is horrific. And yet the ban plays on. They let them eat cake kind of mentality. I don't know when it will crumble. I don't know how long. don't know if it'll be in my lifetime or not, but it's an absolute train wreck of a mess. Now, two other stories I want to bring to your attention because it's what happens when there is absolute control. Over Christmas, four senior Russians died. Newsweek has the story. It was updated today at a little bit after noon. Four senior Russians died over the Christmas period, adding to the list of powerful figures who have passed since the conflict in the Ukraine began. Since the start in February of Russia's war on Ukraine, several high-profile Russian businessmen have reportedly died by suicide or in unexplained accidents. More, most recently, four of them died within days of each other since Christmas Eve. Um, and I could go through all of those, but it's worth keeping in mind these people that are dying in hotels and traveling and everything like that. Um, the Director General of the Admiralty Shipyards for the United Shipbuilding Company, Alexander Buzikov, died on Christmas Eve. No cause of death was reported. They called it untimely and accidental. Pavel Antov also died. He was a sausage tycoon businessman. I think he, the one, see the one that fell? No, he died of an apparent stroke. Uh, and then another one fell out of a hotel window, but all of these are very recent. Now, adding to that, and what looks like it could be an escalation of problems is a Ukrainian missile hit Belarus as a Putin ally moves to war footing. So Belarus could be drawn into the conflict, which would mean it would be growing in Europe's backyard. Um, so we'll see what happens there. We can we need to hope that this we push peace, 
not war. But if this spills over into Belarus or they join this, then you've got a much larger escalation, something to be wary of as, as we head into the New York. It has been an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Last show of the year for Pete Callender, a great radio host and good friend. I'll be back here on Monday after New Year. So we'll have the first show of the year, too. Folks, have a great one. Enjoy it. And uh, stay dry. Go Pack. Have a great day.